0: Welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast where we talk about everything, business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I am the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse early-stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I am super excited to introduce you to Caitlin Gill, adjunct professor of business and director of Oregon State Sales Academy Program. She's a sales enablement leader and international software and tech sales executive, or I guess former uh, international software and tech sales executive turned educator and and an all-around sales influencer and role model.
1: Caitlin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: So why don't we talk about your journey in sales prior to becoming a sales educator?
1: Yeah, um, I would love to, honestly. Um, I I really feel that some people (laughs) were destined to be in sales, and I was one of those... I was one of those people. Um, So from an early age, I think I was always trying to sell things, whether it was uh, lemonade or uh, selling my sister's clothes (laughs) (laughs) or um, trying to get my parents to have the random yard sale. Um, I I just loved the idea of, of sales. And I think the reason I loved the idea of sales is because I loved talking to people and building relationships. Um, so one of my first jobs in high school was selling jewelry. Um, I was working at a, um, sandwich shop (laughs) and it was right across the street from a jewelry store. And I remember there were a couple guys that were in sales there that would always come over for lunch and I would always have conversations with them and, uh, start chatting enough with them about what they were doing. And, uh, one day one of them said, you know, you should come over for an interview. And I was like, Oh, me? in a real sales job selling jewelry in my you know 16 year old mind um, and I ended up going to work there until I graduated from college at Friedman's jewelers. Um, and it was so much fun. I, I loved helping people. I loved somebody coming in with whether it was an engagement ring that they wanted to buy or a gift for a loved one. I, I loved hearing their story and helping them find the perfect gift. so, um, you know i guess you could say from before i ever went into professional sales um, i i was really kind of driven to the career
0: yeah what an awesome story i did not know that that's how your career started i love that and yep. so when did you make the pivot into professional sales
1: yeah yeah great question so um when i was in college i um i thought i wanted to go into marketing because um, i you know went to college and I wanted to get, there was no professional sales degree, right? So marketing was the closest thing that, that in my mind, um, matched with a sales career. And of course, you see, you know, Don Draper and uh, characters like that in movies, and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's the job I should get because you're building relationships and talking to people. And um, so when I graduated from college um, with my degree, uh, I went and I actually got a, a marketing job. Um, so I was working for Citibank um, and I was uh, working with, they had kind of an on-campus promotion, um, student promotion intern team, and they had program managers for that. Um, and so I, I took that job for a little while and uh, then I realized that as fun as as fun as the job was, and I loved working with students and I loved being on campus and I loved kind of developing campaigns, what I really wanted to do was kind of be at the relationship building stage of that, where you were kind of starting out and building the relationship with the college or, um, you know, creating a relationship with the client. And I was like, oh, that's not marketing, that's sales, right? Um, so I was lucky enough to um, be living in North Carolina at the time. And there was a startup called Sageworks there. And I had a friend who was working there and they said they had this really neat product and it of takes um, financial statements and turns them into language, Um, and they're hiring a lot of salespeople, and so uh, entry level. And for a tech company, typically they wanted a little bit more experience. So anyway, I interviewed there and was lucky enough to to come on board uh, at SageWorks and got hired as an SDR, and I loved it. Even even though I had to make 150 cold calls every single day of my life, (laughs) Uh, I loved it. I loved um, meeting with accountants. I loved building relationships. I loved our product. I thought it was the coolest product on the planet, Uh, especially for someone like me that, you know, thought financial statements were really complicated and our product made them easy to read. So um, I just I absolutely loved the product and I loved I loved the company and I loved the camaraderie and the sales team. Um, so I did pretty well there as, as an SDR, and then I ended up moving into um, a new product role. With they developed a, a product for banks called SageWorks Analyst, and um, so I moved into more of a product management role um, and training role as this new product was being rolled out into the market. Sold the first hundred accounts on that product, and. Uh, Then I actually got into sales management. So I was managing a a team of eight salespeople um, and also working on the training side. So they would sell the deal and then I would do the training implementation and um, support. Uh, So as I'm sure you know, when you work for a small company, uh, you might wear many hats as a manager, a Sales engineer, a trainer, customer service. Uh, so, kind of did all of those Chief things. Dishwasher,
0: <laughs> everything. Exactly, <laughs> everything exactly,
1: is exactly. Good. Um, so, I I was able to wear a lot of hats there, which was really really fun and exciting. Um, and then one of my one of the um, salespeople on my team left and went to a company called Global Software. And when he did that, he reached out to me maybe six months later and he said, you got to come to this company. It's, it's amazing. They're doing really cool stuff. If you thought the Sageworks products were cool, these products are even cooler. And it was hard because that was kind of my first tech sales job. I, I had been given all these opportunities to grow in the company. Um, and that's when I realized that, you know, with your first job, um, you're a lot more tied to it than anybody else. I remember crying on my last day Going into all my superior's office, just bawling my eyes out, and them kind of looking at me like, "It's gonna be okay, you know. We'll we'll get on we'll without you. You'll <laughs> survive. We will survive." More importantly, so <laughs> have a nice, have a nice day, have a nice life. <laughs> so, um, so then I went went on to work for Global Software, and that's where I spent the uh, last twelve years of my career. Um, so Global Software eventually became Insight Software, and I was with the company through just about six acquisitions, Um, started out as a solutions engineer and um, made my way up into the director of solutions enablement role there. I um, traveled all over the world um, and learned a lot, met a lot of really incredible people, had a lot of really incredible bosses. Um, I think every um, every single boss that I had there was a woman. Um, and so I was able to learn from a lot of really impactful sales leaders um, who I, you know, owe so much gratitude for her today. Um, and, and yeah, I, the only reason I left was because um, I had this opportunity to teach the profession that I love so much, which is what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great story. And it shows that your path does not necessarily have to be linear and there's no bad choices. There's, you know, any opportunity that you take could could lead you to success and into leadership. So that's that's great. But let's talk a little bit about sales education, because one of the things that I that you brought up that I find really interesting is the fact that your approach was to get into marketing because the college that you went to didn't have. A sales training program or even sales certification program a part of their as a part of their curriculum, right? And we're finding that even though it's changing, it's changing slowly. I mean, um, that sales typically was tucked in as a course, as a part of marketing, or maybe as a business class. but sales itself was never recognized as a viable c- career that warranted. A degree. So, talk to me a little bit about that, why Oregon State embraced it, and what kind of trends are you seeing in the industry today to hopefully engage colleges to get more, or, you know, to get on board with supporting sales education?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a, that's, it's such a great question and, and kind of great topic, obviously, that I'm, I'm super passionate about. Um, So, you know, to, to begin, I think that you are probably as familiar as I am with the lack of sales education when, when I was in college. So I'll, I'll date myself a little bit here, um, but I graduated from undergrad in 2004. um, And then I got my master's about 10 years later. And um, there, I mean... (laughs) There wasn't a sales certificate. There was no sales classes at all. Um, But the interesting thing is then and now, I would say of my graduating class, over 80% of them went into sales roles. Um, And the percentages are just as strong now. I think 88% of marketing majors was the most recent um, statistic. Go into sales roles. Fifty over fifty percent of all business majors go into sales roles. So um, why are we not teaching sales? <laughs> no, or why you know why would you not teach sales, or why would that not be a program in your university? Um, and I think that kind of the most telling piece for me, or the most aha moment, was when I thought about businesses, and I think about all of the different departments in a business. There's a degree program for every single department right? (laughs) There's accounting degrees, there's HR degrees, there's marketing degrees, there's, you know, uh, information systems degrees. Why is it that sales is the only department that doesn't have a degree program in a lot of universities? It was baffling to me. Um, So again, when I had the opportunity to come here and teach at Oregon State, a a university that's obviously investing in their sales program, I thought, this is incredible and I wish that when I started in sales, I had the knowledge that we were able to share with our students today. Because, and I, I I would love to actually ask you this, Heidi. When you started in your first sales role, did you have any formal sales training? No, absolutely not.
0: I I just was I was a bit like you, where I was a bit of a natural-born salesperson. I was you know, even as a child had a natural sense of curiosity. I was a problem solver and a fixer just by nature. Uh, I drove everybody crazy and still do by asking why and, and challenging the status quo. So maybe sales was a, a natural progression for me, but no, I mean, I didn't have any training. It was, you, you learned by jumping into the fire and um, and trial and error so right um, i wish i had training in fact oh my god talking about dating myself i don't i don't even know that there were marketing maybe there were when i was in i was in journalism and speech communications but um no i just learned it on the job right and and learn from failing to be honest right i probably learned more from the deals I didn't get from than from the deals I want. Oh, absolutely.
1: absolutely. and I feel like you and I were probably both lucky or I'll, I'll speak for myself here. I was lucky that I was with a company that was willing to, to let me fail and not show me the door, right, um, right. and help me learn from those experiences. So yeah, I mean I think sales, revenue management, go to market expertise, it's crucial to business success. Business leaders recognize this. Right? Companies seek these skills and candidates and executives. And there are still remarkably few universities that offer sales, minors, majors, or even courses. And many top tier business schools omit sales completely from the curriculum. Yeah,
0: it's Um, absolutely baffling to me. I think the last number I saw was maybe like 26 universities. When you think about the number of schools across the US, it's just maybe it's more than that now. But it is just baffling. So why is that? Is it the negative perception of sales? I mean, listen, they've invested a lot of money in STEM, uh, but but not everybody is cut out for a career in STEM. But let me tell you, we can go sell for those technology
1: companies. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. And so, you know, if you look at if you look at the number of universities in the country, there there are four thousand colleges in this country, right? Less right. than a hundred, right? Might, might be slightly over hundred now, um, but about less than hundred have sales programs driven sales classes. Um, and then of the more than 170,000 students who earn MBAs annually, only a fraction uh, know anything about sales. And so that's straight from Harvard, Harvard Business Review. Um, and so it's, it's crazy because again, we've got 88% of our marketing majors that are going into sales jobs. Uh, you know, 50% of business majors. And when we look at students that graduate from universities that have sales programs, when compared to their non-sales educated peers, they ramp up 50% faster in their companies without any standard company training, right? So this is saving so much money, right? Um, Every year for, for students who graduate from these sales programs. And these are, you know, not even students that necessarily... Go into sales, um, yeah. but it's when I look at our students uh, and, and our sales program, and I know you know some of my colleagues from other universities that have invested heavily in their sales programs, like Kennesaw State. Um, when we look at their placement rates, I mean they're they're through the roof. Our students have extremely high placement rates, placement rates because they're better prepared for their careers, and they have kind of raised their hand and said, "I want to work in sales." Right. Um, They're excited about the opportunity uh, to work in sales instead of kind of finding their way into sales eventually after taking um, some other type of job initially and then realizing, hey, I want to create relationships and I want to talk to people. Right. Um, And so therefore, sales is probably the right department for me, but I have to find my way there through a couple other positions first. Right. Yeah,
0: it's it's just it's just absolutely baffling to me. And because sales is a life skill anyway, so mm-hmm. even if you don't end up getting a bad carrying job, let's say, and I I probably hate that term. I probably should do away with it. But if you're not you know client facing person in sales. Um, One, there's a lot of other job opportunities that are available that that are in sales, like sales enablement or analytics or, you know, there's there's hundreds of jobs. Mm -hmm. And but the other thing is, is it's just it's a life skill. It's a good thing to it's a good thing to learn. Um, And I I don't know, it definitely needs to change. And what you're doing is groundbreaking and 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 you're really trail trailblazing. The other thing I find interesting is that when you look at particularly women in sales, sales is a gateway to the C suite. So Absolutely. not only is it a great entry level job and a great career path to get into leadership, but when you the stats that I saw were that of the women who ha- held C level executive positions in organizations, 20% of them came up through sales and sales was only second to finance uh in terms of the the part of the organization that um that they were career path through and that's huge and it's mm-hmm. even and it's even bigger numbers larger percentages when you look at at women in entrepreneurship so i don't i think it's a no-brainer obviously you do but we need to get more colleges on, on board and and not just the Ivy Leagues, right. I think that there are so much opportunities to get traditional you know community colleges and black owned colleges and and create opportunities for individuals that are in traditionally underrepresented and uh, underrepresented communities. I
1: mean, absolutely that, it's absolutely. Yep. And that's absolutely initiative of the Sales Academy. I obviously know that's an initiative of Girls Who Sell. Um, and it's, the, I think that that's uh, probably why we both ended up in these roles, Heidi, is that we do want to change the face of sales, right? We do want to train and mentor um, young people to get into this career that we know can be so impactful for them, not only as business leaders, um, but also, you know, to be financially free, it's it's an incredible job for financial freedom to take care of your family. Um, so it's uh, it's something that we're certainly uh, I'm certainly very passionate about at Sales Academy as well as through uh, Girls Who Sell. And you know I think it's interesting what you were saying about um, just women in sales, right? As I mentioned at um, at Insight Software, every single one of my the bosses that I directly reported to. Um, were women, and they were some of the most impactful female leaders I've ever had um, kind of the honor of working for, and I think about why they were so impactful and why women are are so incredible um, in sales, and a lot of the reasons are things that, you know, that we're teaching at Sales Academy, that we're teaching here at Oregon State in our classes, and there are things that can help our male counterparts as well, teaching these skills, right? So things like the ability to actively listen. Um, I know that every single one of my female bosses were incredible active listeners. So I think a lot of people assume that, you know, salespeople are smooth talkers and, uh, and, and that's not really the case, I think. And I think that active listening is one of those skills that um, females tend to really have naturally. Um, The other piece, and I was actually, we were uh, talking about this in class today, because I just got done teaching, is emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's kind of this huge pull towards emotional intelligence in sales training, uh, or in in sales organizations right now from a training perspective. And I think that um, the ability to kind of manage your own emotions and, um, be emotionally intelligent with your prospects is something that is a lot easier for women to do. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and it's, it's interesting because I think both men and women listen. I think we listen differently, Mm -hmm. um, that, that women or, or that, Men, and this is, I, I hate to generalize, but in general, women, uh, uh, men listen in order to respond and women listen to understand. Mm-hmm. And that I think is a huge difference, particularly yeah. when your focus is to try to create solutions that are going to solve business challenges.
1: Right. 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 Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the things that we we actually talked about in our class today are these kind of levels of listening and how, uh, you know, most of us kind of operate in this marginal marginal or evaluative le- uh, level of listening, which is, again, formulating our response, right? Um, whereas active listening is like the holy grail of all listening. And that's where we should all strive to be as salespeople. And that's where we're truly listening to understand. Right? Yeah, I, I
0: agree. We have a whole module on this in the Girls Who Sell Explore Sales training program. So I'm so glad to hear that we're aligned because I, I think it's incredibly important. Um, but let's go back to this negative perception of sales because okay. I just think it's high time to start bl- blowing this up. And obviously mm-hmm. you you do this all day long, but I think we have so much work work to do when it, when it comes to that, I had, I'm going to just read this. So I don't know, have you ever read the book by Dan Pink um, called The Cell is Human?
1: Yes, I have actually. And I, (laughs) so funny you said that I was just, um, he has a masterclass right now. uh, And I was looking at the ad for his masterclass today. um, And yes, I love that book.
0: It it is such a great book. And so in that book, as you know, then he, 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 ask individuals to describe what they think of when they hear the word sales. And Mm -hmm. the main adjectives were pushy and annoying and manipulative and dishonest. And that is so far from the truth in terms of, in fact, all four of those things, and I'm sure there's a whole list of negative adjectives, are a prescription for
1: failure in sales.
0: So how Mm -hmm. do we begin to blow that up?
1: Oh, gosh, I think it's education, Heidi. Honestly, um, I think it's education, and and this is what I'll tell you. And I've told you this before. I think it's because a lot of us don't even understand what professional sales, what professional sales is. What right? it is. Um, so, I when I talk to my students on the very first day of class, um, I kind of give the same exercise that Dan Pink goes through, and let's talk about our perceptions of sales. And, um, you know, and let's talk about it based on our experience. Right. Um, so let's talk about experiences we've had with salespeople and all my students give, um, very much the same experiences every year. It's an experience with a car salesperson. It's an experience with a a realtor. It's an experience with, um, a B2C type salesperson. And I am in no way, shape or form saying that car salespeople or realtors are not professional salespeople because they absolutely are. Um, All I'm saying is if you look at the media um, and we look at the reasons we have these misconceived notions of salespeople, it's because they paint those roles in a really negative light,
0: Mm -hmm. right? But
1: those are the roles that are painted as, if you are in sales, you sell cars, you sell phones, you sell houses, right? Um, so or they
0: multi-level don't, level marketing is the new thing, too. Or multi-level like marketing. Right, it absolutely. It also
1: has a whole negative perception. Absolutely. Um, but they don't paint the picture of people that sell million-dollar, very complex technical software solutions, right? Um, that is not the sales role that, you, that anybody will see or, or does see in the media or will ever see. Right. And um, so we see some stuff in the media about, um, you know, stocks and uh, stock brokers. Of course, there's, <laughs> you know, we've all seen those movies um, like it's, or Wolf of Wall Street, Wolf of Wall Street. Right. Wolf of Wall is- Street, right? Yeah. Um, but again, we don't see the salespeople that are selling high end manufacturing equipment. Right. We don't see the salespeople that are, you know, working through a channel program and creating Uh, relationships between companies like Coca-Cola or company like Hershey's. Like we don't see any of that that's going on behind the scenes, but that's all sales, right? As Dan Mm -hmm. says, everybody is in sales. We are all in sales, right? Um, But especially in professional sales roles, I think it's a lack of understanding of of what those roles even are. And so I challenge my students, I'm like, go find the company, your dream company that you'd want to work for. Look them up on LinkedIn or look them up on their company website go to their career page and look at the roles that are available. Read the description of that job and tell me if that's a job that you wouldn't want to have. And I swear nine times out of 10, if you go to your dream company and you find uh, an AE role or um, an enterprise sales role, and you, as a student, you read, they read that description, they're like, that sounds amazing, right? Where, that sounds like- Where do I sign up? Where do I <laughs> sign up, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, and so it's just, and, and I get to make six figures at the same time. It's like, right. Really? Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So I think that that's a huge part of, of kind of shattering those misconceptions about salespeople is educating um, the general public about what professional sales jobs are and what those roles look like. Yeah. Well,
0: I know it's your, and my mission to, to do that. And it's going to take a village and not, happen overnight. But thank you so much for the work that you're doing and shaping young minds and positioning sales as a viable career option. I appreciate you so much, Caitlin, and and also appreciate you taking the time to be in our podcast today. I hope we could set up a couple of follow-ups because there's so much ground that we covered today, but so much more to unpack. So I'm going to hit you up for another session.
1: Oh my gosh, anytime, I would absolutely be happy to. Um, and I'm happy to collaborate with other sales educators too, if you wanted to kind of get a panel discussion with a bunch of sales educators on here, because oh you know I, I feel like it's our job as sales leaders and educators to, to teach these business skills, to facilitate um, professional engagement with our academic partners, and, and to really strengthen the overall relationship between business and academia in the field of professional sales, right? Um, Because once that relationship is strong, then we can really start to um, change kind of the face of young people in sales.
0: I am so in love with that idea. We're doing that. Done deal. Sounds good. We're doing that. that, Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next Girls Who Sell Empower Hour webinars. I love uh, it. So that's what we're going to do. How can... Any people that are listening or listeners find out a little bit more about the Oregon State program or how, how might they be able to get a hold of you?
1: Absolutely. Um, so you can just Google Oregon State Sales Academy. Um, I, would, <laughs> uh, I would spell out our address for you, the, our website address, but it's kind of long, so it's easier if you just Google Oregon State Sales Academy. Um, and then you can learn all about who we are, what we do, sponsor opportunities because the Oregon State Sales Academy would not be possible without the support of our incredible corporate sponsors. Um, and so I, I am so thrilled that, that I'm able to do my job because of companies like Pacific Office Automation, American International Forest Products, Affleck, Gallo, Pape, uh, Beacon Hill, Insight Global, Partners Group, Paycom and Tech Systems. Um, so I have to throw all their names in there. Um, But the reason, the reason that we are a a program and why students have the option of getting the certificate at Oregon State is because of those companies because our program is offered um, at no cost to any student in our college. Um, And it's because of support of companies like that so um, and all of those companies get the opportunity to come in and educate our students so. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, if that's of interest to any company to be a part of our program to reach out to me directly, um, at OregonState.edu. Any students that are listening to this, especially Oregon State students, uh, we want you to be a part of our program. And any universities um, or um, I would say leaders in universities that are interested in developing a sales program, I'm always open, willing, excited to talk to other universities about how you get a program like this started so thank you awesome
0: yeah perfect
1: caitlin thank you so much for joining us today i really appreciate your time oh i appreciate you heidi and i'm i'm just again so thrilled to to have the chance to get to know you and to watch all the fabulous work you do with girls who sell